Well, hello everyone and welcome to Gospel Community Providence. We are a small community of Jesus followers in Providence, Rhode Island. Our goal in life is to be the family of God, redeemed and transformed by Jesus, living out God's mission in our culture. You're listening to content created specifically for our church community, and the thoughts and teachings that you'll find here come from a study of the Bible that is informed by some of the best thinkers and followers of Jesus today and throughout church history. Just a heads up, you may hear a variety of voices and distractions and noises in the background. This is because we are a church of families with real lives full of children, noise, and interruptions. We celebrate these noises, however, because they remind us that real life is not a perfectly curated moment, but is full of opportunities to worship Jesus through the messy, unflattering, and mundane. In addition to this, you may hear the voices and comments of various audience members throughout the teaching. While this often causes our time to go a little long, it also deepens and enriches our time together as we discuss what we are learning and reflect on how to live it out. So bear with us. We are not professionals, but we are imperfect people who love and serve a perfect God. Let's go. John 15, verse 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he is he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withered. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. But by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Amen. I'm going to take my mask off just for this portion, because I can't have my glasses on and my mask on at the same time. And I can't see my notes without my glasses on. I will aim my mouth down so no, nothing goes that way. Um, we have been studying for a while now the Gospel of Luke, and I'm excited to take a break from it uh, to do something that I've been wanting to do for a while, this rhythm of coming back to our vision and our values once a year. Um, we just haven't been around for that many years to do this. This is an annual rhythm, uh, and, I, and I'm excited to start it together uh, this year. Um, we're going to spend the next couple of weeks, uh, this week, next week, and the following week, just looking at deeper at our three core values as a church, right? Uh, back when we first started uh, the vision for Gospel Community Providence, uh, we would actually talk about this weekly. Every single week, we would discuss and, and, uh, and remember and review our core values, our core commitments, because... Uh, we are forgetful people. I'm a forgetful person. Uh, and so it's important for us to regularly remind one another, this is what we're about. This is what we're trying to do. This is what we're pursuing. Um, and that's, that was as much for me as it was for, for everyone else. Uh, and so I'm going to try to return to that rhythm to some degree. I want to return to the rhythm of, uh, of reviewing our three core commitments and talking about our three core commitments regularly. 
uh, starting with these three weeks. Uh, and then hopefully, if my plans work out, we're actually gonna have a guest speaker on the fourth week uh, who's gonna come in uh, and share with us for a little bit and hopefully uh, encourage us some more. After that, we're gonna jump into Jonah. All right, Jonah, how to be a bad missionary. All right, with instructional uh, from the Old Testament. Uh, Jonah's actually a comedy, uh, and I'm excited to share in the comedy together, okay? Um, this morning, we're going to talk about Jesus, our, the first of our three core commitments. And uh, before I do that, I want to give Zeke and, and, and Doug, you guys weren't a part of this back in Virginia like five years ago, so you don't know kind of the backstory as, as well uh, about where all of this came from. So I wanted to share a little bit of that backstory um, in order to, uh, to fill you in on like, what, why, how do we get to Jesus Family Mission? Why Jesus Family Mission? Um, and we're going to talk about each one of those in depth uh, in the next couple of weeks. But uh, the, the vision for, for Gospel Community Church in Providence actually started a long time ago, right? It's, uh, we thought we were just hosting a Bible study in Virginia. Uh, and what ended up happening was we realized there was a vision starting for a new church in New England. Um, I grew up in a, in a Christian home. My mom is here this morning. Hi, mom. Um, uh, my parents loved Jesus. They regularly modeled for me what it means to love Jesus. We attended church, sometimes multiple churches in a Sunday, right? We went to American church and then Russian church and then Pentecostal church. And <laughs> we went to multiple churches sometimes on a Sunday. And that was just the rhythm. We were regularly involved in the, in the body of Christ um, uh, as far back as I can remember. Uh, when I was about 14, I remember going on a youth retreat and coming to a point of surrender with Jesus. That was the first time that I, that I really sensed the calling of the Holy Spirit, the calling of the Lord on my life. I realized that Jesus wanted uh, all of me to be fully surrendered to him and not just uh, uh, a religious participant. Okay? Up until that point, it was my parents' faith. I was just participating uh, and at 14, I remember having a moment where I realized this has got to be my faith, okay? So I surrendered my life to Jesus, and I got involved in everything I could in the church. I mean, everything. You name it, I was involved in it. Child care, check. Ushering, check. Youth group, check. Bible studies, check. Prayer nights, check. If, there was, if the doors were open on Sunday morning or on Sunday, any, if the doors were opening at all, I was there. Um, and this was actually probably one of the, one of the best things that I could have done, because being surrounded by other believers so regularly, being surrounded and serving, uh, contributing to the body of Christ so regularly actually helped me to grow in my maturity very quickly. Right? I, I began to realize um, just more and more what Jesus wanted of me and, and how he wanted me to serve and be involved. Um, by the time I went to college, uh, I was very well versed in everything Sunday mornings. Right? I had done a little bit of everything on Sunday mornings uh, I was very familiar with what church was supposed to be like and what it was supposed to look like. Uh, and so when I got to college, uh, uh, at, our, at our college, we had a, uh, a Sunday gathering that we would host for, uh, just, we called it Campus Church, um, for students that couldn't get off campus, right? But there was a couple of churches in the area, but for those students that couldn't get off campus, we would host a small worship service uh, on campus. Uh, and I got involved right away. I was helping lead worship for, uh, for that gathering and, and helping in other ways. Um, 
And it was an awesome opportunity, right? A great opportunity for us to worship and to sing and hear the scriptures taught every single week. Uh, but every single week, we were told at this, at this service that this is not the church, right? We're a college hosting a worship service. This is not the church, right? Uh, so uh, we didn't do communion. We didn't do baptisms because it wasn't, this is supposed to be a college that's hosting a service, not a church. Uh, and so one of, the, one of the things that I started realizing around that time is uh, we keep calling this thing that we do on Sundays not the church. And yet, as far as I could remember, that was all that I had experienced from the church growing up, right, was the Sunday morning service. And I started to sense this growing uh, discontent. Right? We call it a holy discontent. Right? I started realizing that. Um, man, church has got to be, there's got to be more to church than just coming together like this, singing a couple of songs, praying some prayers, listening to someone talk for 40 minutes, uh, and then going home. There's got to be more to what it means to be the church. Um, and so fast forward about five years from there, uh, we were in Virginia. I met Brittany. We'd been married just for a short while, uh, and we were a part of a Bible study that uh, some of you guys were a part of um, early, early on. And... We asked a really important question with that group. It was a small group, six people. We asked a really important question. Uh, what if instead of viewing Sunday morning as the church, uh, what if we began to view one another as the church? Right? The Bible describes that the church is the gathered people. Right? Church is the ecclesia. It's the, it's the, the gathered people. Uh, it's not the building. It's not the event. Right? What we do on Sunday mornings is not church. What we do on Sunday morning is gather the church. That's why we are, I'm, I'm very careful to call this a Sunday gathering, not a Sunday service. Right? In, the, in the guide this morning, you saw the word Sunday gathering, not a Sunday service. Um, and so uh, during that whole process, we also asked the question, if we are going to view one another as the church... Uh, what are we going to uh, commit ourselves to and focus on in order, to, in order to be biblical and to be intentional? And three core values came out of that. It actually started with, I think, like 10. And then we narrowed it down to these three because nobody's going to remember 10 core values. Uh, Jesus, family, and mission. Right? Uh, and these are straight from the scripture. We didn't make, I thought that I made these up, and then I realized they're straight from the scriptures. All right? We commit ourselves to Jesus, the person of Jesus, uh, his, his teaching, his life, death, death burial, resurrection. Uh, we commit ourselves to following him, pursuing him, knowing him, loving him, devoting ourselves to him. Uh, we can commit ourselves to the family of God, to one another, right? To living out the one another's of scripture. Sometime maybe in the spring, I really want to do a study of some of the one another's of scripture. Um, they're great. There's some really great practical ways that we could uh, love and serve and care for uh, one another as long as we are trying to live those out. So we committed ourselves to one another. Uh, I, and I love this word family because uh, I have an older brother. Uh, we, we growing up would fight a lot. right? Uh, and I remember uh, as I was praying through what to call this particular value, I remember thinking, man, if me and my brother get into a fight today, um, I'm not going to go find a new family, right? We're going to, we might not talk to one another for a, a couple of weeks, but we're going to work it out. We're, we're, we're family. We're going to stick together. We're going we're gonna to work through whatever issue is going on. And it might take long. It might be short, but we're going to work it out because we're family. So there's a commitment to one another uh, to live life together, to live the one another, to pursue Jesus together. And so that's, we wanted to make sure that that element was present in our, uh, in our church. And the third core value is mission. Right? This idea that we see in the scripture is that we are called 
uh, to be a part of God's mission here on earth, right? His mission of restoration, right? Restoring all things to himself and his mission of proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. So telling others about Jesus, telling others about um, uh, the, the fact that there's sin in our world, right? The fact that we are uh, infected by this sin, the fact that uh, Jesus came because we couldn't take care of our sin on our own. Only Jesus could take care of our sin. Uh, and in his death, he took the penalty that we deserve onto himself. Um, uh, and we don't have to do anything to earn his, his, uh, his forgiveness. It's free, right? And so we are committing ourselves to joining God in his work of freeing people from sin, freeing people from, um, from everything that breaks down in our society and our culture, okay? Um, and it took us about two years of working this out in Virginia before we realized uh, this is not going to be a Virginia thing. This, this is going to be a, a church plant in, in Rhode Island. Uh, and so out of the 30 or 40 people that were helping and trying to live this out together in, in, in Virginia, uh, we ended up actually having about nine of us move out here to New England. Uh, so there's a lot of talk of Virginia amongst us only because there's, there's that connection uh, from Virginia. But we are not Virginians anymore. We're Rhode Islanders. We've been here for a while. Uh, we like Duncan most of the time. Um, nobody has a southern accent. Nobody, nobody has a southern accent. We, we've been working we were on all it. Virginia transplants to begin with. <laughs> we, we were all Virginia transplants. Um, and so ever since we moved to, Virgi to Rhode Island, I almost said Virginia, uh, it's been a breeze living out Jesus' family mission, right? Uh, no issues. It's been uh, just so easy, so simple. Um, no, no, no pushback from anyone, uh, no pushback from one another. Uh, as we started to develop families and figure out work schedules, it's, been just, it's just so simple to live out mm -hmm. Jesus' family mission. Uh, no, it's actually become more and more complicated, right? Uh, we've, we have kids now, and it's hard to be in community with one another when your kids have different sleep schedules and uh, chicken pox happens and... Uh, Whatever, right? It's hard to, uh, it, we have different work schedules that are, that are crazy. Some people are working nights and weekends. Some people are, uh, are working regular jobs. Some people are working from home. Some people are working online. Uh, and it's hard to, within there, make sure that we have a healthy quiet time and healthy time with Jesus, healthy time pursuing him in, in the scriptures. Um, and mission, I mean, coronavirus, we're not allowed to talk to anyone. Right. How are we supposed to welcome people into our church and welcome people to Jesus uh, when uh, we can't even see the people that we're trying to love well? So it has not been easy. That was a lot of sarcasm in the beginning. It has been the opposite of easy. Um, but I believe, I truly believe, that right now, where we're at in this room, in this city... Right now is the most important time for us to press into our core values of Jesus' family mission. Right? To not run from it. Like, I think every one of us at some point in the past couple of years have come to a point where we said, man, this is really hard. Is this even worth pursuing? Is it even worth trying to live uh, with these three core commitments uh, together? So, uh, starting right now, October 4th, 2020. Uh, the, the roster for Gospel Community Providence is zero, right? Uh, once a year, we're going to do this. 
Once again, we're gonna to come to this part. We're gonna say everyone's names are erased from the roster sheet for members of Gospel Community Providence. Right, and every year, we're gonna have a moment where we reflect on Jesus' family mission and we make a decision together or individually at the end, am I willing to do this for another year? Right, because this is a big commitment. Pursuing Jesus together, pursuing being the family of God and pursuing being missionaries. Uh, even if we weren't doing Sunday morning, just, just committing to that together alone um, is a big, big deal. And so I wanna give you guys three weeks of praying over these three values and asking yourself, am I willing to commit to these three things for one more year? Uh, am I willing to commit to doing this together as a church for one more year? Um, stay tuned for that conversation in three weeks. Uh, let me pray. We're gonna actually gonna look at John chapter 15 um, this week, next week, and the following week. Um, normally, I have a couple of like uh, fallback passages that I love to look at when I'm, when I'm talking about Jesus' veneration, and I really wanted to look at it from a different angle, uh, especially for those of us that have heard those fallback passages like 15,000 times. Uh, I wanted to look at a new passage because I think Jesus' family mission is all over the scriptures. Uh, let me pray for us. We're gonna jump into this. Uh, Lord Jesus, I'm so grateful that we get to gather together, look at the scriptures, read them together, and talk about what they mean, talk about what you're calling us to, talk about uh, what it is that you're inviting us into. And I ask this morning that your Holy Spirit would do what only your Holy Spirit can do, that he would breathe life into our souls, that you, he would give us a breath of fresh air as we look at what you are calling us to. Uh, as we recommit ourselves to, uh, to your work. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, so John 15. I'm going to read this again, and we're going to talk about it, okay? Uh, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, uh, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me uh, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Uh, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Uh, much like every other family in coronavirus, uh, Brittany and I decided that we were going to do a garden this year. Okay? Okay. Uh, some of it was successful. Some of it was not so successful. Uh, but I learned a couple of really important lessons in this process of building this garden. Uh, number one, I learned that there is a very large upfront investment. <laughs> right? Building the garden beds, getting all the soil, buying the, seed, the seedlings, planting them. It, it costs money. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. Uh, I learned there's a large upfront investment. Uh, I learned that timing is important. I actually, uh, I jumped the gun. I, I planted all my seedlings a week too early and they almost died. There was a, a moment of frost after I planted them that I had to run out and, and build like 
little hacks from my garden bed to like try to make a greenhouse to keep them warm. Um, so timing is really, really, really important when you're planting a garden. Um, I learned that some plants, uh, they need a lot of space uh, to be able to spread out and grow, and some plants can be crowded together and put into uh, one little section. Um, I learned that some plants need supporting structures. Okay, so I, I needed trellises for my cucumbers to grow. I needed the little tomato cages that, uh, for the life of me, don't stay, stay up in my garden uh, in order to, uh, to keep a lot of the tomatoes to grow. Uh, some plants needed supporting structures. And probably the biggest lesson that I learned uh, is that some of my plants produced a ton of fruit, so much. I mean, my tomatoes were exploding, my cucumbers were exploding. Uh, we had a ton of potatoes, but some of my plants produced barely anything. I planted a melon plant and I didn't see a single melon. <laughs> Nothing happened. Um, and I, I gave the same attention, love, and care to each of my plants. Right? The same amount of water, well, varying amounts of water, uh, the same amount of plant food. I mean, I even intentionally designed my garden to make sure that the taller plants were on, like away from the sun so that they weren't blocking shade from the smaller plants. I put a lot of care and attention into this, uh, and I learned uh, a ton through the process. Um, in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus is asked, uh, what is the greatest commandment? Right? Uh, in Israel, they had the Big Ten, uh, and then they also had like hundreds of other commandments and laws that they were supposed to follow. Uh, and so they asked Jesus, if we could only narrow it down to one, what would be the most important commandment? And Jesus said, the most important thing that anyone can do is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He also said, it's to love your neighbor as yourself. We're going to talk about that next week. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You guys remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about um, the, the, the Jewish understanding of the whole body? Right? What, what, is, what is the body made up of? What is the, your person made up of? Four things. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. So what is Jesus saying? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. With every part of your being, with every aspect of your makeup, he is inviting us to love the Lord our God. And we know from the scriptures that Jesus is God, very God. Right? Colossians 1, 15, he says, He is, he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Guys, all of the Old Testament points to Jesus. The Gospels describe the life of Jesus, and all of the rest of the New Testament books point back to Jesus. Right? Everything in the scriptures is all about Jesus. And when we get to John 15, this beautiful illustration of a vine, which is not uncommon in Jesus' teaching. He often talks about gardening and agriculture. Uh, I met with a pastor this week, and we actually sat in a little, like, little homemade cafe in front of his house, in front of his garden. And I thought it was so perfect that we were sitting in front of our garden as we're talking about the way of Jesus and talking about um, what, uh, what it looks like to be pastors in Rhode Island. Um, Jesus uses this illustration of the vine to teach us the importance of being connected to him fully. Right? As we read this passage, John 15, verses 1 through 8, what jumped out at you? 
Take a look at it, skim through it. What jumped out at you from this passage? I, I really enjoy, it's, it's a very simple visual. Like yeah. just the idea that it's basically a plant or an offshoot of that plant. Mm -hmm. It's not overly complex. There are, you know, thirty things that you have to do as a, you know, believer in order to find God. So you're, you know, if you believe in Him, you're connected to Him. And yeah. It's kind of a giver of. Yeah. Who else? What jumped out of you? Yeah. So there are other vines you could be a part of. Yeah. But Jesus is the true vine. Yeah. Ooh. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I like that. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I mean every every illustration breaks down at some point, but playing off of that, Sam. Like, what are some of these other vines that we tend to attach ourselves to other than Jesus? The world. The world. I mean, like money. Yeah. You could say, I mean, work. Yeah. Friend groups. Yeah. My social circles, my job. You could go down a really dark path and say drugs and alcohol. Yeah. The, pl the pleasures of the world, the yeah. things that I think will provide life. And, 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 and uh, a sense of... Yeah. Yeah. She said you could say other religions. Yeah, you could also say other religions. Other religions, yeah. Yes. There are plenty of other vines that we can connect ourselves to. Jesus says he is the true vine. I love that. That's such a good point. I actually did not have that in my notes to talk about. Another sermon. Another time. Yes. Preached by Sam. <laughs> What else, guys? What jumps out at you from this passage? There's so many bells. Okay. It's still going. Still going. I think I'm going to go for the full time until it's going to cost. Oh. Oh, that's a title. Just prophecy. What else jumps out at you from this passage? What questions come to your mind as you read this passage? Is there something where you're like, I don't really know what this means? I mean, it's dark, but it's like people often don't think about the ramifications of he's going to prune and clean the yeah. lives. Like, everyone's like, oh, God is, you know, he only wants positive things for everybody. Yeah. He does, but it's like, there will be a time where things are going to get. A couple times. A couple times. They're going to get pruned. Yeah, typically, yeah. you get pruned every season. Mm. And multiple times it, throughout the season. I was yeah. going to say, yeah, when you think about it, like in the garden aspect-wise, you mm -hmm. prune, and you don't want a dead branch hanging on for too long. Yeah. Just because you like Jesus doesn't mean you can't get pruned. Ooh. And, and guys, as a, as, a, as a amateur gardener, 
right? I, I, there was no point in which I went, went in my backyard with my shears and, and thought, I hate these plants. I'm going to go prune them, right? There's no point in which I pruned my plant out of hatred or just to try to stick it to the plants, right? Why did I, why did I prune my plants? I want them to be healthy. Yeah. And so my pruning and the cleaning was done out of affection and care and wanting to see more cucumbers and more fruit. Cucumbers are fruit, right? Tomatoes are fruit. I think cucumbers are fruit as well. Because they have seeds, right? I think they I don't know. Tomatoes are supposedly a fruit. I don't believe that either. Eggplant is a fruit? So this, this passage, it actually breaks down really, really nicely into two sections, right? Section one is verses one through four. Section two is verses five through eight, right? And both of those sections start with the phrase, I am the vine, and, and he makes a statement, right? So in verse one, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. And in verse five, he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches, right? So we can... Look at these two sections of, of verses and see that he talks a little bit about God's role uh, as the gardener. And he talks a little bit about our role as the branches. Um, what is the role of God in this passage in the first four verses? What role does God take? We talked about it a second ago. What role does God take? What, what is God's role according to this illustration? He is the vine. Yeah. He dresses those vines. He dresses those vines. He prunes them. He prunes them. Yeah. He cares for them. He cleans them. He cuts off unhealthy parts of them so they can bear more fruit. And there's this interesting play on words that you see you have in the Greek here that um, you don't really get a visual for in the English. It doesn't, it doesn't play out the same way. Um, but in verse... Uh, Verse 2 and 3, he says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because, the, because of the word that I've spoken to you. Um, and he, there's, there's a, a funny, like, not quite rhyme, but there's like a funny play on words that happens in the Greek when he says the word prune and when he says the word clean. Right? They have very similar meanings, and he's playing off of uh, those two meanings. Uh, and the, the meaning is that God's word has already pruned and cleaned us, and it continues to do, what, do so, right? That's what, that's what the, me, the word means. The New Living Translation actually has probably the, the, the best translation for this that I've found so far, where he says, you have already been pruned and purified by the message that I have given you, right? So what is God's role? Not only does he prune and clean us as we go, but he also is the initial pruner and cleaner that allows us to have life, Right? How have you seen God doing this in your life? How have you seen him pruning and cleaning and cutting away parts that are not of him? Just the way he helps us change our daily habits sometimes. Okay. You know, like even from like growing up to like a kid, like, I don't want to take a shower. Well, now you're taking a shower. Yeah. <laughs> you want to take a shower, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I think to Nick's point, like it is something that you start as you get older, you start developing healthier habits, and you start like things become obvious to you. You know, it could be the Holy Spirit pointing them out. Yeah. It's just the idea that 
there are things in your life that need to change and hopefully change them to the good. Yeah. Have you ever felt uh, like God was uh, cutting certain people out of your life? Right? Or have you ever felt like he has, uh, was, uh, was uh, using the circumstances surrounding you to, to yeah, change your habits? Right? To, uh, uh, to point out maybe areas of your life where you're living in sin but you don't, maybe didn't realize it. And he's cutting those things out of you. Uh, does, it, does it feel nice to be pruned? Mm-hmm. No, it hurts. You do. You feel so great afterwards. Pruning is so good for us. Uh, It brings new life to us. Let's talk about our role. Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burn. And that kind of sounds intense. Like, I'm going to burn you. That's, that's, not, that's not what we're... This is not like a fire and brimstone moment. What do you do with dead branches? You throw them away. You burn them. Right? The aspects of my life that I thought were important, but Jesus has pruned away, that are no longer a part of my life, you throw them away. Right? My dog likes to scatter dead branches all over my yard. I pick them up, and I throw them in the fire, because that's a great way to start a fire. They always get a good job on Yes, Seriously. <laughs> Uh, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my, uh, to my disciples. What, so we know that God's role is to prune, to clean, and to be the initiator of that life. Uh, what is our role according to this passage? What else? That's a trick question. Nothing else. Nothing else. I got you, Zeke. (laughs) Nothing else. Our role is to abide in the vine. Stay connected. I love this passage. Um, Actually, I'm going to say this in a second. Uh, To abide in Jesus. We don't typically use this word abide much these days. Where do you abide? That's not part of a normal language. Uh, It's not a word that we normally use. Uh, But it is actually a really, really important word for us to understand in this passage. The Greek word... I'm going to let the the fire trucks pass by. Uh, The Greek word for abide that we have in this passage is the word meno. Repeat after me. Meno. 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 I'm going to read a quote to you. I put it in the, in the guide for you to follow along with me. Meno has a number of different meanings in the Greek. Uh, each, can give different, uh, each can give a greater understanding. It can mean to physically just stay where you are. It means also to continue to live and not die, to keep on keeping on. It can also mean not to change, to stay strong in one's resolve, to remain in common purpose with others. Uh, It means to stay present, not just physically, but mentally and spiritually. It means to survive unchanged, right? But there is a subtle flavor that using the word abide gives us, however. Abide means not just to continue to exist, but to continue to exist under adversity and yet remain unchanged. 
It gives us the impression of being unable to change one's circumstances, but clinging to hope, clinging to life, continuing on as things are, not knowing uh, when or if they will ever change, but not letting the exterior circumstances change or touch you. And he gives this illustration. A shipwrecked sailor, buffeted by constant storms, head down, huddled on a small spit of rock, uncertain of rescue, physically endangered, but, it, but with an internal peace. He is abiding. Mena reflects this meaning. How does that change now how you read this passage where Jesus says, you have to abide in me? To me, that gives it so much more depth. Right? Despite my circumstances, despite not knowing how the election is going to turn out, how coronavirus is going to turn out, how my job's going to turn out, how my kids are going to turn out, despite not knowing any of that, right? I get to meno, get to abide in Jesus. And there's a promise that when I abide in Jesus, okay, he's going to clean and prune, uh, but it is going to lead to fruit, right? Abiding in Jesus will lead to fruit. And like I said at the beginning, my experience with gardening is sometimes that fruit is going to be great. Sometimes the fruit is going to be a little bit. Sometimes the fruit is not yet. Right? It's going to take some time to get that fruit to grow. Uh, I was talking with a, a, my pastor friend this, this week, and he said, asparagus. Uh, you plant it, and you'll harvest it in about three years. <laughs> right? just, just leave it be. Let it do its thing. In about three years, you'll see some fruit. Right? We are called only to do one thing, to abide in Jesus. Right? God loves seeing fruit in our lives. He loves seeing us grow up in maturity in Christ. He loves seeing us die to ourselves and serve others. He loves seeing us tell our neighbors and our friends about Jesus. And he loves, loves, loves seeing us live the way of Jesus. Right? These, these are the fruit. This is the fruit that comes out of abiding in Jesus. And there's a caution here, okay? If you're like me, you read this passage calling us to abide in Jesus and to produce fruit, and you think, okay, I literally, I have to work against this in my life. If I'm not producing fruit, then I haven't like, passed the test. Right? There's a thought that I have, to, uh, I have to produce fruit in order to prove myself as a, as a true uh, disciple of Jesus. That's not how this works. That's not what this passage is t telling us to do. It doesn't say you need to produce more fruit. That's not the, the, the chastisement here. The challenge here is to abide in Jesus and allow him to produce the fruit in his timing. Mm -hmm. right? We abide. That's all we do. And this is so critical because uh, Jesus' family mission, right? If we focus on family only, man, we're, gonna, we're, we're never going to make it. We're going to be at each other's necks and throats. We're never going to be able to be that kind of family to one another. If we focus on mission only, man, we might be able, we might be able to build a really cool uh, church gathering where lots of people are showing up or whatever, uh, but it's not going to have substance to it. Right? It has to start with Jesus, and if we abide in Jesus, the other two follow. Right? We have to start with a, an unwavering commitment and focus uh, intentionally pursuing the way of Jesus and allow the other two to come. Right? We abide in Jesus. Our first and foremost core commitment is to Jesus. Um, how has your abiding been lately? 
right? Um, I, I think, sorry, was that rhetorical? That was rhetorical, but you're welcome to jump in. <laughs> This is this is an open conversation. No, I, I think it is being broadcast live. Yeah, I think your analogy of the sailor that was like on a shipwreck that was holding to a rock is a really good analogy. Yeah, because like looking back, you're like, oh, that's a really sucky situation. But in the sailor's eyes, again, I've never been shipwrecked. But like he has found a rock and he's clinging to the rock in the middle of a really crappy situation. Yeah. So like in my mind, like 2020 is like a dumpster fire every year. Yeah. But like we are getting through it, like we're making, yeah. we're surviving. None of us are really struggling. And again, it's really easy for me to just like stress out on everything going on. But like, no, I got my rock that I'm like holding on to. I yeah. should be thankful for that and just yeah. try and focus on that. Absolutely. Um, over the centuries, uh, followers of the way of Jesus have developed various ways, uh, various practices in which they. Uh, they try to uh, they they try to create ways uh, in which they could abide in Jesus well, right? Uh, they're called spiritual disciplines. We call them spiritual disciplines. Uh, there are books upon books upon books that are written by by people that describe these. Um, there there's nothing special or magical about them. Doing a spiritual discipline doesn't necessarily mean you're, you're abiding, but these were ways that that followers of Jesus have have attempted to abide in Jesus over the centuries. I want to give you four of them, uh, and I, I literally could give you hundreds, okay? Uh, number one, one of the ways that you can abide in Jesus is to have a daily quiet time, right? Quiet time, I don't know if you're familiar with that term. I grew up, that was just a regular term in our, in our home. Uh, a quiet time is, is just a time either in the morning, in the evening, in the middle of the day that you spend time reading scripture, in prayer, uh, and having literally a quiet moment, just you and Jesus, meditating on what you're reading, processing through it, um, Treating a quiet time like a checklist is kind of like treating, um, telling your wife that you love her like a checklist, right? If you're saying, how many times do I need to tell my wife I love her or my husband I love her or my plants I, I love them? If, if, you have to, if, you, if you have to count how many times you have to do it in order to be successful, you've already missed the point, right? The point is not like that you have to checklist that I, I told my, my spouse I love them. The point is that you have to be... Uh, with your spouse, right? You have to uh, communicate and, and connect with and demonstrate your love for your spouse. And so the quiet time does the same thing. It's not a checklist item. It's a moment for me to connect with Jesus and just tell him I love him. Right? To spend time in the scriptures and allow him to do what he does in my heart. Uh, uh, over the years, people have done things called a silence and solitude retreat. This is particularly good for those of us that are go, 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 busy, 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 lots of... Uh, fires going on at the same time and you're just, you're just never pausing and you feel like you can't, take a, you can't pause long enough to, to do a quiet time, can't pause long enough to hear God's voice, you need to do a silence and solitude retreat. Right? All, that could be for a couple of hours, that could be for a weekend. Um, a silence and solitude retreat, that's literally all it is. You go somewhere where you can set aside all of the things that, that are normally bothering you or taking up your attention you put them away, turn off your phone, and spend time just being with Jesus. Okay, uh, I did one of these in the spring. I literally took my, my hammock. I went down to uh, a park uh, in uh, South County. Uh, I turned off my devices. I told Brittany I'd be back in a couple of hours, and I spent time in silence and solitude with Jesus. 
It was so refreshing to pause and just be. I read scripture, I prayed, I actually sang by myself in the woods. It's kind of weird. But, but I, I needed that, right? I needed to be with Jesus. And, to, and, and I, the first 30 minutes, I kid you not, I literally, I'm, I said, I'm going to set my timer and I'm not going to talk for 30 minutes. I'm not going to try to, uh, I'm not even going to pray for 30 minutes. I just want to be, I just want to listen. Um, quiet time, silence, assaulted retreat. A, a weekly Sabbath is one of these. Uh, there's a rhythm in the scriptures where uh, God works for six days and then he rests for one. Right? God works for six days and rests for one. He invites all of us to join him in that. And there's this beautiful image where uh, in, 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 in the Jewish understanding of morning and evening and days, uh, the day actually doesn't start in the morning. The day starts in the evening. Okay, uh, So Sunday doesn't start at, 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 at midnight on Saturday night. Sunday actually starts when the sun went down on Saturday night, right? So there was this, this rhythm of from, uh, from, from, the, from one night until the next day's night, I was just going to rest. I'm going to start my day with sleep. I'm going to start my day with rest, and then I'm going to enjoy my, the rest of my day. So for some of us, we need to intentionally arrange our week so that we can have that Sunday Sabbath or that Saturday Sabbath. It doesn't have to be a Sunday or a Saturday. It could be whatever day you choose, uh, I try to make, uh, I've been using Mondays as my Sabbath day, right? I try not to do any, any work work. I'll, I'll work on some projects. I'll, I'll do things that bring me life, bring me joy. And actually this week I'm transitioning that to Fridays because we're, we moved into this rhythm here. Uh, but it's supposed to be a day of rest and recreation, right? Recreation, enjoy something, do something. I like working with wood. And so on, on my Sabbath, I like going down to my workshop and, Building something if I can. Uh, the last one I want to give you is a, 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 the practice of using a prayer journal. Um, journaling is not for everyone, and it's okay. Uh, but for me, I am so distractible. I, I've got so many notifications that pop up, so many things that happen, and I just get distracted so easily uh, that over the past five to ten years, I've learned that uh, if I really want to do some heart work with Jesus, I need, it, I need to write it out. Right? The process of writing it out actually helps me to articulate my thoughts and articulate what Jesus is doing in my heart, confess sin, and not get distracted and lose my train of thought. And so I have journals upon journals upon journals that are filled with nothing but prayers. Right? They're, my, they're my prayer journals, and they're not open for anyone to read. They're just between me and Jesus. Um, and it has helped me to make sure that when I need to do some heart work with Jesus, I do. When I need to abide with him, I do. And I do this through the prayer journal. Uh, these are just four ideas, four ways, that, four tools that you can use uh, to help you make sure you are abiding with Jesus. And there are so many more. Right? If you're interested, um, we've had a couple of people express interest in doing like a spiritual disciplines workshop. Um, I would love to do that at some point. I want to know if anyone else is interested in doing that with me. We would spend a, probably uh, a couple of, maybe an hour or two uh, over, looking over what spiritual disciplines are. I'll give, I would give you an index of options and how to pick uh, which ones to try. Uh, and then we would probably spend either the same day or the next day, we'd, we'd go out somewhere to a park, uh, get away from the hustle and bustle of the city and, and practice some of these spiritual disciplines and then regroup and, and ask, like, how, like, what was your experience? That's kind of what I'm envisioning for this workshop. 
I, and right now is a really good time to do that because the weather is, is cooperating and it's not too hot to be outside. Um, and then we'd have to, we might have to do two of these so that spouses can alternate taking part in this. We said this in the beginning, guys. Some of us abide in our work, uh, in our hobbies. Some of us abide in our projects, in our school, in our families. And some of us abide in ourselves. Uh, but if we abide in anything other than Christ and Christ alone, then we're never going to be able to bear the kind of fruit that is eternal fruit. Right? Jesus' family mission is the biblical pattern that we see uh, for living out the way of Jesus. Um, and yet family and mission are impossible unless we practice abiding in Jesus. Okay, I, want, I want to read this last quote together. Right, this is in your guide. Pull it up. Uh, it's at the very, very bottom. It's the last thing that I wrote down there. It's a statement that I want us to practice saying over and over again. And I would love to have everyone have it memorized <laughs> at one point or another. Right? I'm going to read it to you, and then we're going to read it together. We are the family of God, redeemed and transformed by Jesus, called to live on mission with one another. Okay, let's read this together. We are the family of God, redeemed and transformed by Jesus, called to live on mission with one another. Okay. Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much that all we have to do is abide. Everything else is a byproduct of us abiding with you. Uh, and I am the chief sinner in forgetting this. I always try to add things that I need to do that are supposed to advance your kingdom and help you out. Uh, but I need to constantly be reminded that all I can do is abide. Jesus, would you teach us how to abide well, how to surrender ourselves to you, to press into you, stay connected to the vine and allow that fruit to come. Would you teach us uh, to thank you and endure with, with gratitude the pruning that you do in our lives, the times that you, uh, that you cut out things that are unhealthy, the things that are not producing fruit so that we can produce more fruit. Would you help us to see that for what it is? It is your grace and your love and your goodness towards us that does that. And so we trust you, Lord, as you prune even today uh, as you prune in our lives. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.